to Judging Book Covers Podcast, a bi-weekly book club podcast where I bring on two guests to read a book suggested by one of the guests. This week I am joined by Aaron Ayers of Over the Tabletop Podcast and Gina Radcliffe of Kill by Kill Podcast. How are you guys doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Good. Oh, thank you for being on. Thank you for having me too. Of course. I have actually been really excited to have both of you on. Let's see. So this week we read... The Anubis Gates by Tim Powers at Aaron's Suggestion. Um, why did you suggest this book? This was just the first book that popped into my head because it's not necessarily um, the book that I read the longest ago and imprinted on and loved or anything. I mean, I loved it. Um, but it's an important book, um, both because it involves time travel and I have a long history of loving time travel. Um, in movies, literature, I mean, if you can find a time-traveling play, I'll probably watch it. <laughs> time-traveling music, down for it. Any kind of media. Um, it's just some. It's just uh, a, a literary vein that I think can be tapped over and over again with rich and varied results. So, well, sure, because you can go anywhere in time. You can. <laughs> in time is time Which is this, time this is everywhere. <laughs> But it's also it's also significant to me in that um, it's something that um, when we first started dating, my partner recommended to me, and we don't necessarily have similar reading tastes. Uh, okay, you know, he is more likely to be reading the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, and I'm more likely <laughs> to be reading mysteries where cats talk. And <laughs> yeah, I was kind of hoping for one of those uh, when you mentioned them originally. I might have to actually get a recommendation of those from you because oh yeah, <laughs> totally. Rita Mae Brown and Sneaky Pie Brown. Those are those are my go-to cats talk and solve mysteries and have corgi friends. Um, Very nice. And uh, so so this is this is a book that stands out in my mind as something that is. I think, as as you mentioned, a little bit banana pants. Um, Very banana pants. <laughs> but it's also just, it feels so satisfying. It takes you through all of these uh, turns and twists, and um, it has that element of a literary mystery. I always like those, too, and you don't even necessarily need to time travel for those. Like, you, you, can, <laughs> you, can, you can solve literary mysteries from the comfort of your own home and um, the time where your home is. Um, so it is just a, some one that stuck with me as being immensely pleasurable to read. I when I read the summary originally, I kind of like gleefully clapped and was like, "Oh, this is like a, a summer blockbuster kind of book feel." Without actually like before I even started it, was like, "This is going to be satisfying just as a summer adventure." Totally, um, totally. And Tim Powers actually also wrote the source material for one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, of course. So, okay. <laughs> so, so that is like summer popcorn is a bit his jam. Very nice. Well, Gina, how does this compare to what you normally read? Um, it is, I will say it is definitely outside my wheelhouse. I mean, I, I do enjoy time travel stories, but mostly just mostly in movies. And, uh, but so no, I don't. I don't normally read a lot of fantasy. I, I'm not against it. It's just not normally my genre of choice. So this right. was. Uh, this one was interesting. I mean, it really kind of. It, it, there's definitely a lot going on in this story, and <laughs> and I, I, I will admit, a couple times I had a little bit of trouble following it. But I think it's because 
he abruptly changes character viewpoints in the middle yes. of chapters, which is, I, I got used to it after a while, but I'm like, oh wait, wait a minute, who, what is, which character is this happening to now? Oh, okay, it's, it's, it's the, it's Romani, okay, and oh, it's Harbin, and I was just like, it's probably from a half dozen different characters' points of view, um, which is, which is always interesting, <laughs> um, and particularly when you're not entirely sure if the character is who you think they are. In terms of you know when there's a there's a body switching oh, God, aspect yeah. <laughs> to this, and definitely, I mean, I don't know if we're giving spoilers on this, but I mean, the ending was just like, wow, this Bonkers. is a yes. really clever ending that I should have seen coming, and then totally didn't <laughs> see coming, and then it doesn't really end. It's very ambiguous, and and I was surprised that this was this was not a series, was it? This, this is a standalone book, right? I believe it's a standalone. From what I was gathering, most of his stuff seems to be standalone. Right. Um, there's there's a couple of his books, um, The Stress of Her Regard and um, the one that comes after that, that the title of I can't remember. Um, th- but he does like this era of history. Um, Lord Byron pops up in this. Um, Lord Byron also pops up in The Stress of Her Regard, um, which is very much a lamia slash vampire type of story um oh so, god i'm going no, to have a 10 powers year it's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> there there's there's no crossover per se except for the actual historical characters um okay. and and this and this and all of his books actually do have a lot of um you know what if this was going on behind the scenes secret <laughs> secret history um or, uh type of thing yeah, I mean he's um, he's excellent at world building. That's why I'm surprised that this yes. didn't that, that, that this didn't eventually pan out into a whole series because it's very vivid. He he definitely has done his homework in you know early 19th century you know, English history and and Egyptian mythology, and he manages to oddly make it cohesive and and work together pretty well. And I, I was genuinely surprised that there weren't more books featuring this particular character who you know basically travels around by switching bodies with people and for my part um as you mentioned that the end is kind of ambiguous um and again and and i also don't know whether we want to spoil it because i sort of want to keep this Uh, i'll go ahead and say yeah (laughs) i don't think we can talk about this book if if we talk about it in generals we're going to talk for like 10 more minutes because there's so much that goes on so if if you like Egyptian gods, if you like time travel, stop, read this book, or if you don't care about spoilers, it is a bananas book. Even if we talk for another three hours, we probably still won't hit any yeah. everything that happens. There's, but, there's, uh, there's werewolves, there's an evil clown that supposedly... Yeah. <laughs> According to the Wikipedia page, might have inspired Pennywise. Yeah, yeah like, I because I loved the clown. Because the uh, the because he also hangs out in the sewers where there's no mention of whether everything floats down there, but <laughs> it is a sewer. A lot of things probably float. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead. Feel free to spoil. Let's get into this because, um, yeah, this there there's a lot going on. I as I was mentioning before, I try to. So I was trying to summarize the book. So I sat down to write the summary for this one because so much was going on and um, ended up writing about a thousand words. I'm not going to read all of that, <laughs> but I think a, a quick general and, and let me know if I miss anything of like the general is that we've got a kind of smash cut prologue where in 1800 or 1801, we've got these magicians that are trying to drive out the British power from Egypt by 
bringing back the Egyptian gods. So they try to summon Anubis and fail, and that causes a web of magical gates in time and space to open up so that people can time travel. Um, and then it jumps to present day, which is 1983. I loved that for the record. I know this was written in 1983, but like the fact that it was kept referring to present day and that's anyways, um, our protagonist, Brendan Doyle is given the chance of a lifetime to go back in time and see one of the great romantic poets, Samuel Taylor Coleridge speak in 1810. Thanks to Jay Cochran Darrow. Uh, the trip is considered a success and they sit there and watch him lecture i guess um but then he is kidnapped by dr romani they're two bad guys so dr romani um who then tries to torture him to figure out how to use the time traveling web Uh, he manages to escape and run back to london where he joins a beggar's guild and becomes dumb tom and meets jackie and plans on meeting william ashbless to kind of lead like a solid um good life rather than a a beggar and um at the same time he's being chased by dr romani and his murderous clown horbin horbin yeah yeah Um, great great name (laughs) and i think that is like the general overview of the story and then there's like five different side stories going on at the same time right and 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 one of the um and and i think you i don't know if you mentioned this um Brendan Doyle, the main character, is um, a professor who has been studying William Ash Bless, who is another romantic poet in the style of Coleridge and Byron. Right. So he wants, right. but there's very little information on Ash Bliss, so he thinks, well, as long as I'm stuck in England, I might as well in 1810. So that's why, okay. I was wondering, but yes, because they mentioned so many romantic poets, it didn't hit me that that was who he was originally researching. Totally makes sense as to why he's like, well, if I go in and follow him around, eventually when I get back to present day, I'll be a millionaire because I'll know about his life. Right, because he'll have, he'll have like, you know, Gray's literary almanac. Exactly, yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, that kind of just briefly touches over it. There is also a... I don't know if you'd call it a serial killer, but a body jumping werewolf. Um, Dogface Joe. Yes. There's some, there's, some really, there's some really great, great character names in this. So wonderful. Um, and then there is the other half of Dr. Romani, which is um, Romanelli? Romanelli. Yeah, Dr. Romanelli. He's like a, like a, they call him Kaz, which is sort of like a clone, I guess. Yeah. That they that they cre- that they create basically they didn't really get into how this vat worked, but apparently it involves like you you put drops of your blood or the person's blood you're trying to make a, a double of, and they just grow basically in like this yeah. vat, which I, I found interesting that he, I mean obviously some level of magic was involved, but he didn't really for, for as much detail as he provided and there's a lot of it means it's a very very vivid book and but they he left he interestingly left that process kind of to the imagination which i thought was a a a curious but 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 intriguing choice well ka is um part of uh, uh mythology in that um it was a oh, way okay. it was a way to split off a bit of your soul so basically like dr romani is dr romanelli's horcrux if that okay so is Dr. Romanelli the original? Dr. Romanelli is the original, and Dr. Okay. Romanelli is an actual historic personage who was Byron's doctor when he was traveling oh, in, that's right. in okay. Italy. So he's a yes. he's a real person, if I remember correctly. 
that makes sense because there is the time that Byron goes to Turkey. Yeah, Byron just randomly popped up in this. I was kind of really excited. It's it's the the interesting the interesting thing I'm, I'm looking at the wiki there's a wikipedia page for william ashbless the, the, oh he's not real no he's not but he had but the funny thing is he is he's listed as a character who is featured in the anubis gates and then he is a minor character in a different author's book and supposedly they had no neither the authors knew of the other one's book this is completely coincidental oh, really? that huh. they created a character named william ashbless is it and, james blaylock it is Blaylock, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, grant, now, now, grant this is Wikipedia, so it's right. dubious. I, I think that might be them putting one uh, one over on Wikipedia because James Blaylock um, participated in the writing of the Anubis Gates, and he and Tim Powers are like friends. And we, we oh, okay. I knew they were friends. Yeah, but, uh, there's, uh, a, there's apparently a uh, a a cookbook that's associated with him, and and it's this. I guess this character. Uh, there's a play. There's playing cards inspired by him. It's pretty. It's pretty interesting. I wonder if he's one of those names that, like, if you're talking to a guy and he's, you know, all into the romantic poets and everything, and you're like, oh yeah, William Ashbless. If it's like one of those tells that you could use of like, do you really know the romantic poets, or are you just you know, <laughs> talking to talk? Or like a shibboleth for people who really yes. enjoyed the Anubis Gates. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, I don't know if you've ever listened to the Black Tapes podcast, but the first time I listened to it through, I didn't, I thought it was supposed to be a real documentary. And they talk about a Seattle band where, where the lead singer commits suicide pretty gruesomely. And I'm like, and and by the point, I I started talking to my friend about it, who's from Seattle or lived in Seattle. And um, by that point, I knew it wasn't, it was a mockumentary. Um, And he's like, oh, I've heard of that band. I was like, okay, time out. Time out. This is not a real band. So it, it, that always is the kind of I use that occasionally to when people are all about the Seattle um, grunge. I guess it is scene. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I'm adding this one to my list of Do you really know, or are you just saying? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know how to. I know how to capture imposters who've never actually read the Anubis Gates. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I have to admit, I kind of come and go when it comes to time travel stuff um it has to feel real to me which is the stupidest thing i know because is time travel real but he does a really good job i think of combining the science and the magic to make me at least go like okay i can see this being real like it's not so far-fetched because he draws so extensively from mythology that Mm -hmm. his excuse of like sorcery is is actually fine i'm like yeah totally that's plausible and, and 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 I think at one point he even sort of um, and I, I don't know if I'm merging like an interview that I read with Tim Powers <laughs> and the book, but kind of kind of has that element of like, well, it's quantum mechanics and you probably wouldn't get it and you don't need to. And 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 <laughs> and I take that like I think at one point they do tell in the beginning like Darrow does tell Brendan Doyle like, yeah, I don't get it either. I don't care. And <laughs> and as a reader, don't care either. Totally yeah, fine. No. I, you, I get the aspect of there is a point where it happened. The farther away you get from the point, the less magic you can use. Got it? Cool. Yeah, That's all I, I need to know. I find I find his explanation of the way time currents run, like you're standing on ice, um, and he says this significantly more eloquently in the book, but I just don't have <laughs> I don't have it to fingers right now. No worries. Um, and um, he just explains like it's it's there's a layer of ice, and underneath the ice, the river of time is flowing. 
and um, and he lo- he does not break out into a Billy Joel song. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, but that, then that he... might have, that might be that he did make. There are references to. Well, I mean, he mentions the Beatles, which even 1983 wasn't modern music. But I think a Billy right. Joel reference would have kind of pulled me right out of the story. Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if he isn't, like, running around singing green sleeves, I'm not, probably not going to believe it. Um, <laughs> but, um, although he does mention the Beatles, and it, it is a number of, like, a couple sweet moments where, where he mentions that. Um, but I, I do like that description because that seems like, yeah, if I'm picturing time, like it's probably flowing and I just can't get to it either because, you know, the ice is too thick or I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a perfect description. <laughs> and, and, and I think that, that Doyle uh, as the main character is just like, yeah, okay, I'm here. What can I do about it? Yeah, I couldn't decide if I liked Doyle or not. Like, I kind of went back and forth between, like, are you really pompous and kind of annoying me, or do I just, you're very cool, and... He he really, he really, to almost implausible late, seems to just kind of go along with whatever happens to him, which is is pretty amazing and and, and, and enviable. I I don't think I'd have that kind of quality. When he's left in, in... in 1810, he's just like, well, I guess I'll just hang out for a little while. <laughs> just, just... I'll eventually get back. <laughs> and and that could be either attributed to, you know, a lack of um, personal convictions, or it could be, you know, that drive to, like, I can finally solve these long dead mysteries that I've been studying and that I've been wondering about. Um, you know, because, like, right before I died of cholera, if I were back in London, I would absolutely... <laughs> At this time, I would absolutely be, you know, just just running around and and seeing some stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I do between have between the shock of like, how the hell do I get home? And like, oh my god, I'm in Victorian London. Yeah, but is it Regency? Okay, I couldn't remember where. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I, I wasn't gonna try to guess because I was not sure. Um... Yeah, think more Jane Austen than okay. later on. Yeah, it's. I never know where that line is. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that if I was if I was stuck completely outside my my you my time period, I would just be running around screaming, and they would just you know have be, drag me off to to uh, you know the most <laughs> the, the most the closest snake pit and just leave me in there. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I would just kind of sit around and be like, "Well, I'm probably going to be burned as a witch soon, so <laughs> let's just get to it." Uh, but yes, Regency is right around now. Uh, Georgian starts in 1820, and Victorian starts okay. in 1837. Good lord. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Actually, I didn't realize Helping. Georgian was in between the two. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do. There is a part where I can't remember if it's. Darrow or Doyle teaches someone the word okay I think it was and he just kept saying okay okay and I had to laugh because I cannot imagine how differently we speak because there's even a part where he goes back to the 1600s and he was like I can't understand anybody I was like nope I get it I get it by that point the accents are so thick and the way language has changed over time it would be kind of fascinating actually um, if not absolutely terrifying. I, the, when he goes back to the 1600s, I was like, okay, we might have hit my limit of time travel. Um, <laughs> no more jumps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Either we have lots of jumps or just the one big one. 
I'm kind of glad that they he did not resort to what's become kind of a, a cliche in time travel with having someone that this person encounters in the past follow them into the future. God, yes. Be- because I think that, for one thing, reading a book now that's originally set in 1983, the references are going to seem really hokey and obviously <laughs> really dated. And, you know, you have, like, the, the, in movies, it's just them, you know, wandering around their old-timey clothes and, and you know, people in doing double takes and everything. I'm, I'm not sure why that doesn't, you know, having someone go into the future just seems to not work as well as someone going into the past. I guess it's maybe because you kind of know better about going along with you know, trying to I mean I guess because you know more about the time period so you kind of have a better idea well I should probably shouldn't be running around talking about you know horseless carriages or anything <laughs> like that because that hasn't been invented yet whereas if you go into the future it's like yeah I don't know what anything is or how anything works around here yeah they he seems to shoot that down pretty quickly through Darrow because um, what the latest time was 21 something um, and he's like, why don't you just go to the future, see if he has a cure? And he's like, it could be radioactive. Or, Which is valid. Or, or it could yeah. be, yo, a planet run by apes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think it is a very, I think you're right, it is doing what you know rather than what you don't know. Didn't expect the twist of Darrow being kind of a, I don't know if he's a villain, but like, not a good dude. Definitely an opportunist. <laughs> You know, uh, yes. a, a, a mad genius. Yes. And, and certainly the, the, the old man going to extreme lengths to keep himself alive. That's a, a very a very popular trope. But I think it's done pretty well here. It's actually a pretty surprising twist. Yeah, I agree. I, it, up in, to the point where he basically goes, and then I will rule the world. And I was like, okay. But no, it, it you know, the guy's got a plan. I mean, he's you know, dying from cancer and jumps back in time to find dog what was it uh, dog, dog face joe dog, dog face, face joe, joe who is actually jumping bodies it's not like a, a hoax kind of thing he is actually jumping bodies and wants to learn the secret so that he can live forever um which yeah well, i which get it i think drives has driven a great deal of you know scientific and mystical research throughout uh, <laughs> throughout history so he's he's perfectly in keeping in that in, with that um, I don't know that I, um, when I first read it, I don't know that I necessarily like felt that his me- his motives were entirely altruistic because, I mean, he definitely charged all of those people a million dollars to jump back and see a lecture by Coleridge. And um, I guess, you know, beyond purely mercenary ways, it just doesn't seem like the sort of thing that you the sort of field trip that you get together out of the goodness of your heart. So that's true. I think I was always vaguely suspicious of Darrow. I just kind of, I guess figured he'd be a, once they jumped back in time, he was kind of done. Um, and didn't expect the twist of him showing back up and then killing people. Um, cause at one point he just tried to kill Doyle, basically anybody that <clears throat> jumped back in time. Right. Anybody that would be able to like, you know, blow up his spot is ruler of the world and future generations um i mean it is kind of a brilliant plan if you can keep jumping bodies and i can't remember if he was planning to keep it like the same family line or or what yeah i think it's he intended to basically keep like jumping into like the next generation which 
it's kind of a little creepy, but yes. <laughs> you know, I guess you know, if you're you know if you're it's keeping in the family, I guess that's probably the best way to, to you know, draw as little attention to yourself as possible. It also seems scientifically more sound than the Habsburgs' plan. So, well, that's true. <laughs> that, that that's true. true. Yeah, merely merely you know possessing your your ancestor's body, you're probably not going to have like a host of you. Know, physical malformations or or mental impairment or, or anything <laughs> like that they're yeah. not gonna they're not gonna end up like the peacock family on on the on the x-files <laughs> so let's see what else happened in this book so much a lot there were definitely a lot of places where he could have left off and done like part two part three but it just keeps going and chugging along and yeah, you know, I, I I read it mostly during my my morning and evening commutes, and mm-hmm. and the the you know the high the highest acclaim I can give to a book is it did not make me realize I you know I didn't I wouldn't necessarily say I missed my stop, but it made my ride seem to go by a lot faster. Yeah. So I, I do I do apply that that compliment to this book. It was very that's, good at uh at absorbing that's high, me. High praise indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is, I mean, I read a couple interviews by him. I mean, this is like a purely to-be action book. It is not supposed to have, like, some major, deeper meaning, but it is so good. Like, it is very well written. It probably could have done, like, if it was written probably ten years later, it probably would have been a series because there's just so many side stories. And almost um, certainly, almost certainly now it would be a Oh, definitely. It would be a yeah. trilogy and have more love. <laughs> and, and most uh, other of his books are the same sort of exception, like fairly. This one, this one is on the shorter end, but his others are oh, pretty. Really? Yeah, um, this, the others are pretty long. They go all over the place, ranging like from here, there, like you know, from England to Saudi Arabia to Mount Ararat. Like, and specifically, I'm just describing the book to Claire, which. <laughs> It is actually a point of contention between me and my partner. I have not read it fully through. And <laughs> we, too we, much going on. we have a deal that if he eventually reads the Doomsday book by Connie Willis, which I thought about recommending for this podcast because it's another time travel book that I love, 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 love. And <laughs> <laughs> but it's longer. Um, it's a little bit darker. So I thought, let's go happy. Or yes. happy, like like a long road to happy. The long and winding road to happy, I think, is this what this what um, the Anubis Gates goes to. And I think of it as being very much like a like a big ice cream sundae. You've got a couple different flavors of ice cream. <laughs> you have Reese's Pieces. You have um, peanut butter sauce. You don't have hot fudge because I don't like that. Um, <laughs> you have whipped cream, and then you throw in like gummy bears, and you're like, I. I don't know if the gummy bears are going to work. <laughs> but they do. They do. The gummy bears work in this book. So that's how I look at it. It's a big mish, a big tasty mish, mishmash of things. Yeah. It's... What do you guys prefer for your uh, your time travel canon? Do you do you uh, prefer when a person can't two different versions of themselves cannot exist during the same time frame or do you or do you mm. like it when they can? That is a difficult question. I think I prefer it when they can, um, but 
I'm also basing it, like, I don't necessarily know what the, uh, no one's going to pop out of existence, and I'm basing this on Back to the Future, where they get a little bit of a shock, but they can both be there. You know, when, when, when Marty goes to the future, and, um, you know, Jennifer also goes to the future. Back to the Future is also my favorite movie, so, you know. <laughs> Fair was gonna, warning. My my ex my next question was going to be what is your favorite uh, in the genre? Because I was going to say my favorite is is uh, Twelve Monkeys. Oh, nice. Which is which is definitely a, a much darker spin on time travel, particularly when you when you get to that crazy ending. Um, but yeah, uh, Megan, what is your uh, what is your favorite in the genre? I oh god, um, I I. This is going to sound so stupid and cheesy, but I actually really like Michael Crichton's. Um, and I think it's because it's probably the first, I think it is actually called, what, Timeline? Or Time, time frame, Machine? Time Frame, I think? Okay. Something, Time Machine, I don't know. Anyways, I read it as a child, and so it was like my opening gate to time travel. Unless you count Wrinkle in Time, hang on a second. But that's more space. So, no, I'm going to keep going with that. Well, um, in... In in a swiftly tilting planet, that is expressly time time travel. I haven't read that one yet. I've only read the first is it the first two, um, but with the movie coming out, I am like going to power through the series. A swiftly so. tilting planet is actually my favorite one of those, and I think that's my okay. earliest earliest um, after Back to the Future, but my earliest other bit of t- oh wait no, there's Peggy Sue got married too. Um, but the oh, earliest... that's such a good one. I, 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 I can't love that enough. To Nicolas Cage with that hair and those teeth. like And, the, and, and that voice, whatever he was doing oh with gosh, his voice yes. in that is just remarkable. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> there's such... so much time travel. I totally... Like, such a good movie and oh and i'm ridiculous about time travel but i think a swiftly tilting planet was actually the first time travel book that i read um unless any of my like little golden books were like and then yeah i'm trying to think if there was anything before that but yeah no i think the michael creighton one was the first explicit time travel one the movie's terrible i don't recommend that the only thing i really remember from it is that the guy that plays the voice of Scar ends up being in it like halfway through, and I took me out of the movie. Uh, Jeremy, Irons? Jeremy Irons. Yes, because um, I was like, "That's Scar's voice," and I was done. So, um, <laughs> I, I strongly, I strongly recommend that you do not watch a movie called Dead Ringers. Then, oh no. <laughs> okay, I'll keep that in mind. Or watch it. Yeah. You, 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 might, you might enjoy it. <laughs> or maybe, maybe don't anyway. <laughs> Or um, um, what was his? What was his? Um, what the the Von Bulow one? Reversal of Fortune. Reversal of Fortune. Yeah. Sounds like yeah, he's, he, he's he's been in a lot of good movies and a lot of hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> the sign of a good career. <laughs> he he always he always brings it though in, in every role. Just That's in fact, true. I think so. Sometimes the worse the movie is, the better he is in it because he just <laughs> he just you know just brings his A game. Oh, he also played, he also was in um the remake of Lolita. So, that I have not seen. I was going to say, if, if his being the voice of Scar throws you yeah. off, again, I, I, <laughs> definitely I, do. Dis- definitely I don't dis- watch rec- Scar. Yeah, I disrecommend <laughs> you watching that. <laughs> okay, no. Oh, okay, I know what I'm doing this weekend. It's a hot weekend up in uh, New York. I'm not leaving my apartment. I'm only watching his movies. Got it. <laughs> While reading comic books, because I'm so far behind on comic books. Yeah, other other time. I mean, I do definitely also recommend Connie Willis's time travel. It's the Oxford time travel series that starts with okay. the Do- Doomsday Book, and 
Um, the most recent ones are uh, Blackout and All Clear, which is a, a, a two-book series. They're all in the same world. Um, but what, or her earlier ones do sort of have this element of they were written in the 80s and 90s, so they do have that element of I'm discussing future technology, but we still have, you know, don't have cell phones. You know, like, so so that, that that takes me out of it a little bit, because instead of, like, you know, uh, DVDs, they have something called vids, and, uh, you know, it's it's very much like, well, Connie Willis, you kind of missed the mark on what the future would look like, but... <laughs> but you tried. <laughs> but I'll stick around for uh, everything else, so I think that kind of speaks to the strength of the story beyond, like, we don't have phones. <laughs> Aaron, what did you think? Have you read um, 11-22-63? Yeah. Oh, I loved it. And That's, I watched yeah, the that... Hulu um, miniseries. I, I really uh, loved it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch the show, but I really, really got... He did a... I thought he did a really great job for... I mean, I, okay. To, to yeah, me, I just me, can't do Stephen King. Is this actually worth it? Like, he it is. is so wordy. It's that... Stephen King. It's it's a long book, but I think this is Stephen King at, at his best. Like, okay. you yeah. know, Stephen King of the past, um, when he wasn't, like, coked out of his ears, like, he, you know, he, ha- he has wonderful writing. But I think that publishers and editors don't necessarily want to tamper with the Stephen King magic. So no one's going to yes. be like, oh, Steve, do you think maybe we can cut these 400 words? Um, because I... I'm not going to mess with that. Like people are buying yeah. them, but, yeah, or maybe I am cause I am an editor and I would like to, <laughs> I would like to mess with it. <laughs> it's a little, it's a, it's a, it's a long, but, but tight read. I think okay. I, I, yeah, okay. it, it, everything moves along pretty quickly. Uh, I, I thought it was very well done. It's yeah. one of the few recent ones that I've kind of itched to pick up, but like he, yeah, I can't, I can't do, I feel like he's wordy for the sake of being wordy. You're right. An editor's too afraid of him. And, um, I'll consider it one day when I actually have time to read. How many pages is that? A lot. Uh, so long. Yeah, I read it on the. I read it on Kindle, even though Kindle is not my go-to for reading things. I read it on Kindle expressly, so I didn't have to carry around. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the giant book, but it has like it has one of the most affecting love stories in anything. That oh yeah, ever written. Okay, and, and, and which like, is which is interesting because love stories are not his strong suit. No, I would not. Have uh, but but him he for really. This was a very sensitively written subplot i thought um i mean is it necessary i mean well, that's always debatable yeah but uh <laughs> but i think you know if he had to do it he he did a great job with it and it, you know it has a very you know, sort of bittersweet uh, i'm not gonna give away too much because you haven't read it but it's it's done it is a very strong aspect of it okay right it okay. is wist it is wistful yes okay i will add it to my list begrudgingly a little bit but <laughs> maybe i'll just watch the hulu series the hulu series is great i think james Franco is really good in it and um, okay. it's it's wonderfully put together uh speaking of love this story kind of had it the anubis gates um it did there's a there's some romance of. yeah um, and, and there's a, and there's, a, there's a, again kind of a bittersweet ending to it yes yes um what did you guys think of jackie um, I mean, I thought that the, you know, that she stayed in disguise all the way to the very end was a little bit unnecessary. I, I thought that she probably could yeah. have, you know, broken down at any point and to- told Doyle or, you know, in as many different 
guises <laughs> who, who she was. But, you know, I, he, you know, it's, it's, it's an author's right to keep a big reveal towards the, uh, you know, until the, it, for it to going on as long as he wants to. I felt that Doyle was a little, you know, all right, you've been a woman the whole time, okay? <laughs> Which is, yeah. you know, he, he seemed a little, like, casual about it, but... I mean, he took everything else in all the That's other true. action inside <laughs> right. and, as well. And, I mean, I am... I, yeah, yeah, I myself said earlier that he just kind of goes along with everything that happens to him. Yeah. He really is kind of the chillest dude. I did kind of find it adorable, though, with the reveal, or where he's like, and I'm getting married in a month, and then I was like, of course it's going to be her, and then he says the name, and she's like, oh yeah, that's me! And I was like, okay, that's kind of cute. But it also didn't feel in your face the whole time. Like, Well, I'm glad that they did, that they revealed that at the early on for the reader. Yes. That, that you know yeah. not only Jackie is um, uh, in, in drag and that she is also Elizabeth Titchy, um, mm-hmm. who I... I'm not sure if we've let the, the, the story cat out of the bag, but she is also Doyle's future wife. Yes. Well, as William Ashbliss. Right, right. I don't even think we've said that yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, at some point, Doyle becomes <laughs> William Ashbliss. <laughs> through through the magic, through the body-jumping magic uh, of Dogface Joe, Doyle realizes that he has been transferred into another body <laughs> and then finally looks into whatever mirror they had around in 1810 London and was like, oh, okay, I'm William Ashbless. And then he became a boxer for a little while? Not a boxer, like a fencer? Or is that another character no, that yeah, became he... a fencer? Because at some point... But there was a, he was a boxer too at one point. Because Well, a boxer ends up in his body. Right, did right, they right. swap bodies or I, I sort of feel like you need a little bit of a serial killer basement to to kind of match yes. who's jumped from <laughs> whose who's body and who's actually someone else's car because we had what three it, people jumping bodies Joe yeah yeah you got Dogface Joe you've got um, Darrow yeah and, and Doyle yeah and then there was there's a guy whose name I is completely blanking on but it was a colleague of Doyle's that worked for Darrow that... Oh, um, oh. Stan for... Benner. Benner, yeah. What happened to him? Because, like... He died, didn't he? Okay, because at one point... I think he was... Wasn't he in the body of who they thought was Dogface Joe when they when they, when yeah. they hung him? Oh, is that who that was? Okay, because... I think. There was, like, a, a part where... I don't know. There's so many people jumping around <laughs> that, and and then he wouldn't stick with the same name. It was like occasionally he'd call him Doyle, and then occasionally he'd call him Ashbless. And I was like, okay, <laughs> making sure we're still talking about the exact same person, just use <laughs> the same name or like a slash and use both names. Yeah, my my one sole issue with the with the book is that it 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 jarringly switches character viewpoints. Yes. Like like just sometimes right in, almost right in the middle from one paragraph to the next it's like oh okay this is a different character now I see I I had a hard time with that so there were there were literally a few pages where I had to stop and read a little more slowly yes and then and so. then and then realize oh okay this is someone else now all right um yeah especially when we jump around in 
location too because we ended Mm -hmm. up in turkey for a while and egypt and i feel like there was another place Um, all over the uk maybe yeah get out of london a little bit um and they jump around in london quite a bit too um having been to london last year i was always really excited as i read through and was like oh that's near the starbucks where i charge my phone (laughs) (laughs) that's near that's near the old old cheshire cheese and so it was it was nice to have a nice little tour and and it did bolster how geographically accurate the book is about london too which is always good which is nice that is nice um he definitely did his homework i mean there's just i i believed everything he was telling me <laughs> yeah yeah this was not a hard sell of right. uh i'm actually kind of surprised they haven't made it into a movie yet um it was a, it's a lot for a movie they'd have to they'd either have to again serialize it, it or yeah. they'd have to cut a lot out or of yeah it. like a tv yeah. or show or something would be good hbo it throw some sex in it's the new Game of Thrones. Here you go. We figured out what you're doing next, guys. <laughs> um, I have not watched a single episode of Game of Thrones, but that's what, game, what it reminds me of, I guess. Yeah, game of Thrones, a little touch of uh, Westworld, maybe, with the, maybe, the, yeah. the, with the yeah. doubles and all. Maybe uh, yeah. maybe the, um, what is it on Stars Outlander? Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That may be why, actually, it isn't being done. I forgot about Outlander. <laughs> Yeah, just, um, just you know, whatever it is, they have to make sure they have some, you know, some nudity and and a couple of gratuitous sex scenes. Even though there were no, there were no sex scenes in this in this book. It was refreshingly free of sex scenes. Yeah, yeah no. it's pretty focused on like this, you know, poetry, um, not being dead, figuring out which body you're in. You know, no time for romance then. Yeah, I mean, even there's not really even like a ton of. I mean, Jackie is the the female, but it, she's not in distress a lot i mean no she 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 gets into shit but like either she she gets herself out or makes deals to get out i also appreciate at least one point where she met where um uh, she thinks to herself like um or you know the narrator thinks like uh jackie who really admired mary wollstonecraft was very annoyed that she felt a little faint at this moment like yes she, she she points out that she does pride herself on being no nonsense and um ready for uh, floating around along in a river for a while and yeah she's very educated um Mm -hmm. yeah she's very she's very savvy definitely not a damsel in distress and and i like that the you with the big reveal not only that she is a woman, but also the 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 woman that Ashbus will marry in about a, a month. Um, <laughs> uh, I know things worked faster back then, and they they've been through a lot of stuff together, so why not? But it didn't end with like a big kiss, and you know no. they, they they were kind of just sparring with each other, and and you know she's very sassy, and and you know it was kind of a, a good way to end it. Yeah, I mean theoretically, it doesn't mention that they have kids. You could probably even make a claim that they never did have sex or anything. I mean married couple but still it is very much not focused on this love relationship which is very nice um one other aspect about her character is the reason she's in disguise and the reason she herself is chasing after dog face joe is because dog face joe stole her fiance also another poet stole her fiance's body and um because she didn't realize what was going on jackie shot him 
Yes, she is guilt-ridden the entire book. Right. So she is also, for the, yes, she's guilt-ridden and she is driven by revenge for most of the book. Right. Yeah, because apparently when Dogface Joe switches bodies with someone, the person he switches bodies with becomes like a, like a wolf, kind of? That, that's a little, they, they start just growing hair everywhere and they don't look like themselves anymore. That, that part was I was slightly unclear on. That was mm, Yeah, it was like they're poisoned by the magic and then he has to jump. But then it doesn't it doesn't really go into like how that stops because He's in a new body. Like he poison like he poisons the body so that that when he jumps out, like it'll die and no one they can't tell his secrets. Um, So he's poisoning them on purpose. His curse is such that like when he jumps into a new body, it's okay for a while, but then he starts to grow hair and Okay. Um, it's not a traditional <laughs> werewolf sense in that. No, um, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I don't. Uh, that I wasn't sure of whether there was um, a particular um, corollary from British history, but at the very least, I know that Dr. Romani, um, where they make frequent mentions of his spring shoes, he is meant to be inspired by Springheel Jack. Um, uh, more of a Victorian okay. a Victorian era villain who was oh, okay. um, not not necessarily real, but like it was one of those things like women were being accosted on the street in London and in the late eighteen hundreds, um, mid to late, and and um, he became known as Springheel Jack because he was always leaping around and startling women. I don't oh, know if I he was killing. I don't know if he was killing him. He wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't a Jack the Ripper, but. Um, and at the very least, scaring them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's a, you know, spooky sort of um, myth from British history. Oh, I like that. Can we talk about Harbin a little bit? Yes. Yeah. Because this, this is the character I found the most fascinating. And, and I, I, <laughs> I wish I could draw because I would love to be able to draw what I, what I pictured. It was sort of like a... It's kind of a Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Well, though, of course, I associate <laughs> Tim Curry. Tim Tim Burton. I thought of like a Tim Burton type of you know this kind of misshapen mouth and and but for some reason apparently he has a voice like Mickey Mouse, which I which I I was trying to you know picture is that would that be funny if someone was you know being menacing and threatening in a Mickey Mouse voice or would it be that much more creepy? Well, think of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Christopher Lloyd's character at the end. When, when I killed your brother. When I yeah. killed, I talked oh, yeah. just like this. So I'm, pic- I'm, yeah. so I'm picturing it like that. that yeah. Is- yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah, that actually is pretty creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found it jarring that there was a clown. <laughs> and then yeah. it was a... a- and he cl- like a clown puppeteer who yes. who, run- who runs like an underground gang of beggars. Right. It was very. Monsters. It was very like super creepy Dickensian. Yes. Yeah. And wonderful. Like just an extra added element of like this shit's creepy and not just your basic adventure story. Like yeah, it was like a combination of Pennywise and Fagin, and that sounds horrifying <laughs> in every possible way. Yes. <laughs> But super and, dark as well, because they do mention Horobin's father. Um, oh, the, that's right. And they're, and they're, and they're, the, what they call it, the operating room or, or something like that? The, the, like, the, where they apparently 
torture and deform people to turn to make them into better beggars. Yes. Right, Which right. I was like, ooh, that's friggin' dark. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And Hor- Horbin did not do that, but they do, you know, indicate, they do suggest that that is what happened to him. Right. Because also, of his dad. Yeah. Also, he's a wizard. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, I totally forgot his dad showed up. And he was Dungy, the, uh, the, um, the, like, the dwarf that, uh, yes. that, 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 you know, you think he's like a servant, and it turns out that, that he's been, uh, did they perform surgery or was he given he was he cursed to be turned into a dwarf that i don't remember uh i don't remember either you could probably well i mean he did he either way he he ended up in a, he ended up ahead on a shelf so yes. you know it was, a, it was a bad end either way but yeah uh, there was a revenge element um yeah, by you... horribin for how he had been treated yeah, and, and now you think about it, I feel like there is like a nice, you know, that Game of Thrones style. And I've never, I've never watched Game of Thrones either. But from everything I know about it, there's certain aspects I, I feel that would carry over into that sort of style. Yeah, the, there, God, yeah, like why has this not been made into a TV show? It should be because this underlying element, and isn't there like an, an American? that show American Horror Story American Horror Story yeah that's like a carnival or something like this is kind of a similar vibe I mean you're kind of rooting for him because he helps Jackie who she gets caught by the clown and then he helps her out and you're kind of like rooting for him and then you realize it's his dad and you're like oh maybe you're not (laughs) the good guy um yeah Yeah. it's pretty dark (laughs) he he does uh, the powers does keep you going back and forth on exactly who to root for um throughout the book even with Doyle too because oh, yeah. as you mentioned he is very lackadaisical a lot of times and even sometimes he's like well I you know I'm probably gonna be captured let's let's just get to that <laughs> like and I think at one point where like he's annoyed that Jackie has rescued him because he's like you know I was going to be tortured like i i have I come yeah. i've come to terms with it it is easier than, <laughs> it is it is certainly easier than swimming in the thames any longer <laughs> well there is a the part of him because when he becomes william ashbless there that's where i kind of saw more turmoil with him because he knew so much about this guy's life that he felt like he kind of lost his own identity because he was basically repeating this guy's life and it was like any time he tried to fight it, it, it was like, just feeding it into it. Yeah. So yeah, like the the whole you know, the torture is never mentioned. He never read anything about it. God damn it, let me have it. <laughs> and then <laughs> again, no, you're not going to die here. You're going to die. I think it was like thirty five more years or something like that. So right out in a field. Yes. Yeah that that epilogue was kind of great. Um, yeah, that's that. That in large part was why I recommended the book because there is such um, bliss in it. Uh, and and Gina, I know you had mentioned like it was kind of ambiguous, and that's what I love so much about yes. it because yeah. it's just like everything is now unwritten. It doesn't matter anymore, and, and that he, de- that delights me. And he kind of got what he had been wanting the whole time. Um, really, if you have not read this, please stop because the ending is so good. Um, but now he finally got the chance to not be living by a schedule. Right, he so got his was, autonomy back. Yes. And that was so, I actually ended up rereading it a few times because I was like, oh, 
that was really nice. <laughs> it, 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 despite it not being a, a, a you know very much closed end ending, it was very satisfying. And I also like how he talks about um, he gets drunk and tells Jackie how she's going to die. Um, because if you know the future, I mean, or if you're married to someone who knows the future, of course that's what you want to know. And how she embraced it, met it head on, was very brave up until the end. And he's like, I am going to do that too. I am going to be brave. I am going to do this like Jackie because I'm going to see her soon. And it, it, it was nice. Yeah, there is there is a bravery in both of their end slash not end. Right. Um, we, we danced around that real real nice. Didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can either it's if you if you don't say enough about it, it's not going to work. But then if you say too much, then I think you're gonna you know, the, the listener is going to uh, to lose the thread very quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's a very hard thread to keep upon. Yeah, I mean, I think we we um, hit the sweet spot of like, we really enjoyed this. Yes. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love the bookend of Coleridge because he's the reason they go back, and then he's there up at the crucial point and kind of saves the day in like the most befoolery kind of way, like. He thinks he's tripping out <laughs> and that he's in his own mind and he's talking to these monsters and I am like cracking up as I'm reading because he's like, are you the pain that I forgot I had or something like that? <laughs> are you the ambition that I never met up to? And they're like, just let us out for the love of God. Open the damn gate. And he's like, should I let you out? Is it going to be painful? He's, <laughs> he's being super poetic about it. It is like... so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the uh, little aside later when Jackie said that whatever they that the tea they'd given him to try to put him to sleep didn't work because he was just so strung out on opium <laughs> that no sort of you know mere you know tea based sedative would be enough to knock him out. Yeah, I just no. like, thought that was hilarious. And then he was like, "Can I wake up now? Can you point me to where I go to wake up?" <laughs> I loved it. Coleridge became my favorite character at the end. And speaking of tea, uh, we started a couple episodes um, for a, I guess, book club drink. So, Erin, what would be the drink for this book? You know, they drink a lot in this book. They drink. <laughs> uh, well, Doyle drinks a lot. Um, I think that's indicated that he might have a little bit of a problem um, yeah. because he is, when the book starts, he's still grieving the death of his uh, wife back in 1983. Um, so he drinks a whiskey drink. Um, he drink he drinks a lot of whiskey, brandy, scotch, um, very 1800s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> beer. Um, and oh, at one point they drink rum laced coffee. That jumped out at me, and I thought okay. that, that you know that sounds I, pretty. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, yes. I thought that would pretty good be pretty well. Um, in honor of London, um, I personally this evening had a blueberry gin fizz. Very um, nice. And it's not the right era at all, but I was hearkening back to William Hogarth's um, Gin Lane and Beer Street, um, the uh, <laughs> the the two prints that ex in one describe the horrors of gin drinkers um and the other extolled the virtues of beer drinkers so i went down on gin lane 
and had uh, a little a little bit of gin. Um, so that because of London, which is still very much a gin town, um, that's what I chose as my. I like know, it. We'll keep it. Anubis Gates book. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> if you've got a particular recipe, shoot it over, and I'll uh, add it to the to the blog. Uh, actually, just Google a recipe because it would be better than what I came up with. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> there are a lot of blueberry seeds left. <laughs> um, anything else that we need to touch up on or that we missed? I mean, without. I mean, a, a lot, but, yeah. um, but, but but I feel that, you <laughs> so know, much. I, I feel that if we leave you know, a lot of it unexplained, it'll compel people to, to read it. And, yeah. and I think that you should. I mean, I, I said, I'm not I'm not a big fantasy reader, but I, I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah, this I, is definitely a good twist on a fantasy book. Yeah, and I don't I, I read some fantasy I don't read high fantasy. But this Agreed. is the this is the sort of fantasy that I do read. Um and I mean there's an element of science fiction, but at the same time they're very much an it was sort of the Bill and Ted's kind of like, <laughs> Oh, you know, make sure we do this first and then, right. you know, remember after we've solved everything to go back and do this. <laughs> I like that sort of science fiction. Um yeah. It does feel like towards the end, there's a lot of people going like, okay, so I'm going to do this to create a clone, to do this, to go back in time to do that, to make sure this doesn't happen, and we're going to be fine. And it's between Dr. Romani and Darrow, I think, between the two of them, it was like, they could not be satisfied. They just kept fucking and they were like, <laughs> and, and one of them was literally just kind of decomposing while they're, yes. while they're doing this, which is very... <laughs> creepy aspect to it i you know i i feel that he there was it's a little steampunky it's a it's you know very much you know fantasy with a touch of sci-fi a little bit of horror again harbin is a a pretty scary character and and i i wish if anything he'd been the primary antagonist because i feel like he was the most memorable villain um, and again, if they ever if they ever make this into a movie, I would love to just see him really punched up as as you know just as far as his appearance and just I, I would love to see what someone else's vision of him would look like. And you know he he manages some real life aspects. You know you have Byron. Well, okay, I'm not gonna give away the I'm not gonna give away the twist of, of how Byron appears in this story, but you. <laughs> You, you Samuel Coleridge Taylor, and it just—it's a lot of elements that should not in any way work together without coming off as cheesy, and yet he somehow—I I can't imagine how long it must have taken him to write this book, oh, because yeah. the, the the elements all work together so well. Um, interesting side note: the term steampunk was coined to describe this book by one of Tim Powers' friends. Really, um, and that yeah. At I least that's what I read. It, it and and that was and I don't. This is not what I think of as steampunk. Um, no, largely because steampunk I think is is much later on in the Victorian era and involves right. technology that people in that era would not have. And this is like pretty much everyone, apart from being magicians, is the the technology is not more advanced than it otherwise would be. Apart from the aspect of time travel, and time travel itself is not right not a steampunk thing yeah i looked um, into this a little bit because because he is kind of considered one of the trio that started steampunk but it is i actually found an interview from like six days ago i guess he's got a new book coming out where someone asked him about that and he pretty much says like yeah we kind of coined the term jokingly to go against what was it cyberpunk at the cyberpunk, time cyberpunk yeah the william gibson sort of um yeah 
And then he's like, but what steampunk is, is not what we ever intended. And he considers himself to be a fantasy writer. So it was kind of, it's actually an interesting standpoint, I guess, to see. Um, But it is, if you want to argue steampunk, um, I can see it personally. I also know there are plenty of people that don't. So well, nobody nobody wears goggles in it as far as best as I can yeah. tell. Yeah, <laughs> there there are no zeppelins or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, if this if this were what was now known as steampunk, I mean, I probably would read steampunk more right. because I I I like this. I like this element of fantasy along with like magic and what is and... what propels? Okay, so Darrow to go back in time. Um. No, it's to come back to the future. You have to be propelled. Well, they have like a yeah. They have well, they have like a grounding sort of device. It's almost okay. like a little like I almost think of it as like a little like personal like Faraday cage yeah. or something because it's it it is attached like clip, to their yeah. skin. Yeah, I think it's um, made of like copper or iron or something. I don't exactly then, remember. But there's some kind of propulsion or something or some kind of power or something. So like that is the only like if I'm going to go steampunk that it's the getting back to the present day or to the future or whatever that would be the only element where it would kind of exist the rest of it is very much magic which can exist in steampunk but again it's don't read this if you're expecting air balloons and yeah no, no. there's no no there's no metallic hats or i actually don't know very much about steampunk. <laughs> i personally but... love steampunk i i think it's ridiculous and over the top and um it's not something that i read all the time but it is it does make it into rotation it's it's fun um, um but the, this uh, but time yeah. travel and i don't i don't think i i don't remember what they're propelled by um it's no it's because not, it's not steam i <laughs> no it, and it's it's so because nobody ever, or because Doyle never makes it back to the 1900s. Um, yeah, that's kept, it's kept very, it's kept a little vague, like how the, like yeah. how the cause are created. Because that's Dr. Romani the whole time is kind of trying to figure out how to work this. And he can do the math and figure out the gates, but he cannot figure out how to jump. Unless they're actually connected, he can't jump. Which is where, I guess, the added element of this sci-fi stuff comes from so yeah Aaron you said it right earlier what you don't need to know you don't know yeah it's pretty much and I get the sense like in reading article in reading interviews with Tim Powers like um he he seems to be like a blissfully uh what you see is what you get sort of writer right um you know very much like he's he's in for a romp and I'm excited about that. I read at least one quote of his where he said someone told him, like, well, Dracula is about the situation of women in the 19th century. And he's like, nah, lol, it's about a guy who drinks blood to stay alive. <laughs> to stay alive. Yeah, I kind of love so, that. And, and that, that I think is almost just the perfect quote to be like, yep, Anubis Gates, I will take everything that you have to give me and I will not question it. Um, yeah, I think that's a good good way to end it on um what are you guys uh gonna read next that's not the book for the podcast um i'm actually uh i when i switched over to this book i'd been in the middle of reading um uh, davis darris's journal collection theft by finding i'm about maybe a third of the way into it i have not read that one yet it's, it's I'm, pretty good i'm actually listening to that while i swim 
That is Are you my serious? Really? Okay. <laughs> That's my pool book right now. Nice. Uh, nice. His, 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 voice is, his voice is very, is oddly soothing. It's very oh, it's soothing. so soothing. Yeah, I saw thing. him a couple years ago and just fell in did, love so did, much. Did he, did he, did he like sit there for like three hours signing autographs afterwards? Yes. We didn't realize it was a book signing. My uh, friend just got tickets to, he read some essays and, and short stories. And then, yeah, I guess it was actually a book signing. We didn't stay for that yeah. portion but it was at uh as well i was living in atlanta and it was at the fox theater which is like kind of the big where off-broadway stuff goes to or where the broadway shows go to when they're in atlanta so like imagine i guess that kind of theater packed I, out I, so. I, I saw him at um mcnally jackson books uh here in new york maybe nice. five or six years ago and he, I mean, literally, he was there about, he, he did a reading, and then he stayed about three hours signing autographs. And, and, and he, is, he, he just treated everybody like they were the only person in the room. He would, you know, he would put some kind of personalized message in, in the book. Just really just a, a, a splendid person in every way. I actually stood there for about five minutes talking to him about David Rakoff. Oh, nice. Uh, who had passed away fairly recently before that. And um, yeah, he is an, uh, he is a treasure when it comes to how he treats his fans. And and the book, the journal collection is, is very funny and, and a little sad because it starts out with how difficult his life was when he was in his 20s and trying to make it as an artist and writer and really just living in very, very difficult, poverty-stricken circumstances because he was just trying to make it on his own. And, and there's a lot about struggling with being openly gay in the, in the South during the like late 70s and early 80s. And, and it's a little, it seems a little more not funny than his essay writing, but yeah. still it, yeah. it's still very interesting and, and, and entertaining all the same. It Which doesn't. It doesn't feel as light. This is um, theft by finding, and it uh, definitely doesn't feel as lighthearted as previous ones. I think okay. he actually like pe- peels back a little bit of like the 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 veils that he's had previously over his relationships oh. with his family. Like, it, it oh was, yeah, definitely. It's more honest. Well, I think his. Oh, this yeah. just came out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, and why I think, do I not know this? I, I know that sense. his. I know that he his one of his sisters, I believe, unfortunately committed suicide not long ago. Yeah. And, oh, um, really? Shoot. Yeah, I think I think that he he published this after that, and so it, it's it's an interesting dimension on the things that he says about her and how she was already showing signs even thirty years ago, while she was still would have been a teenager, I think, of, of just having some sort of emotional issues that nobody could really figure out and it's a you know puts a a tragic spin on it that's that's different for his style of writing normally she was well known in my city she lived in my city um somerville mass um and um was a local artist and eccentric um and there's actually a a fairly lovely uh, memorial to her along the um uh, somerville bike path uh, relatively near to where i live um so she was well known and beloved in in the area um but i i had the same experience as well where he will sit and write personalized messages in books for hours at a time i actually had i met him in providence at a signing and you know we talked a little bit and he asked me what i did for a living and i said i'm a journalist and he said hmm i would have said something in the medical field and i was just like okay all right and then I like darted away and then I I met him again at Harvard Bookstore in Cambridge and 
you know, he took my book and he asked me, we had the same exact conversation. He asked me what I did. I said, a journalist. And he said, hmm, I'm seeing medical field. And I said, you know, David, (laughs) you you, you said the same thing to me last time at a reading in Providence. And I just really want to know, like, so do you mean like doctor or nurse or like medical transcriptionist or phlebotomist? (laughs) Which which part of the medical field um, are we doing? And And he well, actually, you know, sort of looked at me sadly and said, oh, a doctor. And, so, <laughs> and, and, and he's just like, yeah, it's pretty clear I'm not a doctor. Because <laughs> that, that is a question I just asked. <laughs> and I had the time to do it. So, like, and, and not like, you know, I didn't have any lives to save. So it was just, it was a funny interaction. But he is, he is a complete gem. And his, uh. His stories have provided me with hours and hours, probably years of entertainment at this point. And now I'm looking at, sorry, I'm now looking at this book. Um, are you guys reading anything else or are you both just reading the same book? Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle of that one. And when I finish it, I do have like a little list of, you know, on deck. And I, the next one I plan to read is um, uh, Joan Didion's The White Album. Okay. I don't have I don't have a lot of experience in write in reading her 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 work. You would think I would, given I'm a I'm a middle aged white woman, but I uh, <laughs> but I, I I don't have a whole lot. I mean, I've read some of the books she wrote about when her husband and daughter passed away within the same mm-hmm. time period, um, and I've read some magazine writing, but I've not read a lot of her her essay writing. Okay, let me know how that ends. I will. I'm reading the second. Um... The, the V.E. Schwab series, the um, Dark Shadow. Oh, Darker Shade of Magic? <laughs> Darker Shade of Magic. I keep, I keep merging all the titles, so I'm just yeah, like, no, oh, I'm reading A Conjuring of Shadows now, or what a, a Gathering I, of Shadows? Is that the second one? Yes, because it's A Conjuring of Light, yes. Okay. <laughs> that, is, that is that, and uh, Lindy West Shrill are two books that I have, like, in in my little book Sh- shrill is wonderful i'm liking one. it i'm like oh it. my goodness you did you megan you should definitely, definitely i've got good it. reads up i'm adding it now <laughs> <laughs> um and catching up on comics yes yes i um stupidly ran to the comic book store today and spent way too much so yeah i that might be what i do after after this tonight is, is catch up a little bit on comic books um I'm so behind. I might go. I might go play in the sprinkle, the children's playground sprinkler <laughs> near my house. Like this is just the heat insanity. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like it's like every everything everything has like the heat shimmer on it. Like in my yeah. house, I'm looking at it's like everything is melting. I feel like I'm in a Salvador Dali painting. Yeah, it was. We had such a mild June that I was like, okay, maybe we're gonna get through this and it's going to be okay. No, it's we're my cat it for now. My cat melts every time it's hot out, and she's cur- she's flopped in the corner. And I actually I actually did Photoshop a picture of her melting into um, uh, the um, Dolly painting, the um, persistence of memory. Yes, I love that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, so before we get to plugs, uh, the next book we're reading is Enter Night by Michael Rowe, um, which Gina has recommended. I know absolutely nothing about, other than I just checked it out from the library. Um, so I am excited and we'll be back in two weeks to read that. But before we go, tell me about your podcast, guys. Tell me what else you want to plug. Erin, you can go first. Okay. 
Um, I would like to plug my podcast, Over the Tabletop. <laughs> it is a podcast dedicated to discussing two-player board games and card games. Um, and it is uh, my partner, James DeBrooker, and I. We discuss, um, really honestly, just games that we love. Um, <laughs> and it's a... Um, we sort of swear a blue streak while doing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, yeah. I enjoy it because you stay very delightful and fun, and he is very like intense to the point that he's either decided that he like he's figured out how to win or anything, and it's like the contrast just cracks me up the whole time I'm listening to it. <laughs> yeah, it's a George and Graceless sort of thing we have going. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, at Over the Tabletop. Um, we are Over the Tabletop Podcast.libsyn.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at, at Over the Tabletop. Um, and yeah, listen to us, like us, review us, I guess. I always forget to ask for that because <laughs> literally James and I would just be sitting there playing games and riffing anyway, even if the microphone weren't there. So. You know, but, yeah, I have to put it in my notes. <laughs> yeah, but definitely give a you know give us a shout. Very nice, um, Gina. What do you have to plug? I am going to plug my podcast Kill by Kill that I co-host with my good pal Patrick Hamilton. Um, in this podcast, we uh, <laughs> focus on horror movies, but um, not so much on the plot but on the characters, which tend to be <laughs> underwritten and obnoxious in an entertaining way. Um, by the time this airs, we're, we're just starting to get into Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, which is basically can be described as Jason meets Carrie. <laughs> um, it, it is wonderful and horrible at the same time, as is most of the movies we've covered so far. Uh, we're, we're kind of focusing predominantly on the Friday the 13th series, but we've also done um, bonus episodes uh, to such lesser-known slasher movies as My Bloody Valentine, Prom Night. Uh, we just recorded um, the first part of a two-part episode to Happy Birthday to Me, which is a completely cuckoo-bonkers Canadian horror movie with with this insane twist at the end. Um, that those should probably be up around the around when this uh, when this episode goes live. Oh, that's so cool. yeah, just look for Kill by Kill on um, iTunes. Where I, I, our Twitter is Kill by Kill Pod. Although Patrick handles that because I have <laughs> will have nothing to do with Twitter whatsoever if I can help it. Understandable. Uh, we're also on Instagram under Kill by Kill Pod, and we're on Facebook. So check it out. You don't have to watch the movies. You don't have to like horror at all. Uh, a couple of the guests we've had have it's been their it was their first time ever watching a Friday the 13th movie, <laughs> which made for an interesting experience. And sometimes it's actually more entertaining when they're trying to parse never having seen one of these before. Nice. But yeah, you, you, you definitely don't have to be a horror fan to enjoy it. Yeah, I just loved when you did student bodies. Yeah, um, that's actually that's actually one of our most popular episodes, which <laughs> really? is which is strange to me because so few people have actually seen the movie. <laughs> but yeah, that was that one was a lot of fun. I when we when we started doing this last year, I was immediately pulling for we've got to do student bodies. We, I we, love that we, movie. We I saw pull. I, I saw it, it when amazing. I was six years old, and it has stuck with. I own it on DVD. <laughs> it is it's wonderful. It is the airplane of slasher movies. Mm -hmm. it, it's hilarious. 
I just listened to your prom nights episode uh, while walking the neighborhood the other day. Um, it, it, was it Patrick's prom date that was on that? It was Patrick's. Patrick which, actually got his prom, his high school prom amazing. date to um, uh, to guest on it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, I like slasher movies and realize how few I've actually really seen. I need to they're, they're, a lot of them are very a lot of them are very similar I mean I don't want to say <laughs> you've seen one you've seen them all but there's definitely a, a there's a vibe <laughs> a, a formula that they follow that that and some do it better than others like like <laughs> like prom night and we actually get into this in the happy birthday to me episode prom night does red herrings very poorly yes where, whereas <laughs> whereas happy birthday to me has so many red herrings it's like watching clue like everybody's a red herring <laughs> and it's just like overwhelming and confusing and completely bonkers very cool i'm excited i have not seen that movie but i have heard it or i've had it recommended to me uh, a couple times so um is it on streaming somewhere or did you guys have to rent it um i had to rent it on youtube but okay. patrick, prob- patrick probably owns it <laughs> he's got some sort of library of slasher movies so nice um you have a blog too right i or- do um uh, not related to to horror though uh, i write about 70s and 80s television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com very cool I have a blog as well, and Do you, maybe, oh, if that's I, right. maybe if I promote it, it'll <laughs> remind me to go and write it more, but I'm re-earning all of my Junior Girl Scout badges um, at uh, bitchbettereearnsomebadges.wordpress.com. <laughs> that is an amazing idea is for amazing. a blog, and, and you've got you to keep up with that. Yeah, <laughs> Well, and, and I, just, I just got totally sidetracked because I needed to do a photo shoot where I showed that I knew how to treat a personal flotation device. Um, so I just need to get into that and then um, put that up, and then I'll be on my way. And then I have um, a, a, a um, puppet show that I'm working on filming in term- a vibrant, healthy socks life. Um, <laughs> wow. About, dent- <laughs> <laughs> about dental hygiene. That, that is, cool. That's for the personal health badge. Very nice. I, I was actually just talking, we, we recorded an episode uh, last night, and I was talking about, uh, of Kill by Kill, and I was talking about that I wanted to earn a, I wish I'd earn a Girl Scout patch and using a machete, because <laughs> there's so many, there's so many machetes that are used in the Friday 13th movies, and I was trying to figure out what the design would be, and I determined that it would just be a machete with like a little severed hand next to it. And, and now I'm thinking I want to learn. I mean, I know I can do some basic embroidery, but I want to like make like a little machete patch and maybe try to get them manufactured and give them out as Patreon gifts. <laughs> that would be so cool. You definitely should. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, I hope that ends up turning out. It is always fun to try to find things. You're like, has anybody ever made a pattern for this? Is anybody else's mind kind of like mine? And I kind of need this. So I really hope you do find that. Um, I ran ran into that when I wanted to make mittens or gloves that looked like severed hands, but you you don't want to Google severed hand (laughs) mittens or gloves because the number, it is a non-zero number of people who have picked up lost gloves and found hands. Oh my God. I was also no. thinking you would see like um, what they call it degloving when like you like the skin like comes right off your body. I would imagine you get a oh, lot of hits right. on that too. Oh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good. Um, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it was my fault for googling I was it. Say, but... It's one of those you Google before you think. <laughs> that's, an, that's an interesting watch list I'm on now. But... <laughs> the glove one. Um, well, thank you both for being on. 
Uh, I had a lot of fun. I hope you guys did too. Um, oh yeah, we'll be Definitely. back in uh, two weeks to re-enter nights. I can't uh, stop I'm, singing. I'm, look, I'm looking for. I'm looking like... forward to. I'm looking forward to boring you guys with my my, my obsession with <laughs> vampires. Oh, I'm excited. I, I'm always in need of a good vampire story because they terrified me so much as a child, and then toilet. So, like, I didn't get the middle ground of actually enjoying vampires, so I'm excited. <laughs> um, as for this podcast, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you can find podcasts, so uh, drop a rating review if you want. Uh, you can find us at judgingbookcovers.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter at JBC Podcast, and Instagram at Judging Book Covers Podcast. Um, my other one of my other podcasts came out this week, Fabulous Retellings, where uh, my friend Marilag Angway and I go through original fairy tales and their modern adaptations and giggle at how much they've changed. Um, we end up doing two books, two visual medias, and then something really random. Um, we started with Beauty and the Beast, and so that comes out um, weekly. Actually, it's not a bi-weekly podcast. That is a weekly podcast. So um, if you want to hear more of my voice when it's not kind of scratchy like it is right now, go give that a listen. Um, and until then, 